I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week, both have been on the podcast before. Shalise Manza Young is a Yahoo Sports NFL writer, one of the best out there. A long, long resume with Shalise, including the Boston Globe. AJ Perez is a front office sports senior reporter. Another excellent reporter here and again, a very, very long resume. You may have uh, read AJ's work at USA Today prior to front office sports. And we're going to get to a lot of media topics here, and I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. And I am pleased to be joined by Shalise Manzi-Young and AJ Perez. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks as always, Richard. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've had more elegant intros, but uh, let's get to the uh, <laughs> let's get to the stuff right away. Okay, for the listeners who um, did not hear this previous podcast, uh, I will just give you a head up, heads up. Anna Wolf was on this podcast on September 21st. Uh, she is the fine investigative reporter at Mississippi Today, who has really been, along with Ashton Pittman, uh, in front of the sprawling welfare scandal that has ensnared Mississippi. It's the state's largest ever public corruption. I would say listen to that episode if you want sort of a primer on what this welfare scandal is about. And she also explains the involvement of Brett Favre and where he stands in all this, um, you know, for the sake of, of, of putting the other side out there. Brett Favre's attorney has said his client has no idea uh, where the money, uh, that money that he, that he grabbed for his, uh, his pet projects were earmarked for the impoverished. Favre has not been charged criminally. There is a civil case, and we'll get to the we'll get to Shalice and uh, and AJ here on uh, perhaps whether they believe or do not believe Mr. Favre. I want to start with you, Shalice. Let's just sort of go wide here. Um, how do you view this story? Because on um, on the one hand, you know it's a story about something really horrific, uh, a welfare scandal, the poorest people not getting money that should be allocated to them. But it has taken on, I think, a much larger place nationally and un- and sort of understandably so, because one of the people involved here is one of the most famous quarterbacks in National Football League history. I am so and I've it's it's interesting. I first got wind of this story over two years ago when Anna wrote uh, something about Brett received one point one million dollars to make, quote unquote, appearances for the family's first uh, nonprofit that is tied to Nancy new. I'm glad that you had Anna on. And and as you said, if your listeners go back, there's a lot of names connected to this, but Nancy new ran this program, gave Brett Favre $1.1 million to make quote unquote appearances. And even back then I did not understand why are we giving this man $1.1 million to make personal appearances as if, you know, you're a poor 
child in Mississippi and you go to, I don't know, let's say a food bank or something like that, and you get a selfie with Brett Favre, that does not put food in your refrigerator, right? That doesn't do anything for the fact when you walked in, you're in poverty. When you come out, you're still in poverty. Nothing has helped you in that exchange except to give Brett Favre $1.1 million. With Anna's reporting and, and more reporting that's been done, we see that really we're getting close to $8 million that Brett Favre swindled out of this TANF money, federal money, because it's the 1.1 personally that he got the $5 million to the volleyball stadium and a, under a thing that hasn't gotten much attention. He also got $2 million to invest in this biomed startup that claimed it had like a cure for concussions. Oh yeah. I so, covered this. I covered that one when it first happened. I was, I wanted yeah. to talk to far. I want to talk to far after he tanked on his ESPN uh, analysis, uh, um, basically interview slash tryout. And I wanted to talk to Favre about it. And I was at, and I was actually kind of part of it was like, Hey, here's, he's got this. I'm like, all right. And Nate's the next to, to treat concussions. Basically. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So you got that. And it's, it, it's sorry to interrupt, but it was just like, yeah, it's, it goes. So that's $8 million of the $77 million of misspent funds. And these are, this is the, this is the, the temporary assistance for needy families, federal, federal money that goes to the poorest people in this, in the, and 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 we're talking about the poorest state in America, and it's right. just unbelievable. And um, yeah, we I didn't know at the time, and as actually I've done some more reporting on that startup, and you know, there, I've I'm still reporting this out, but I know one of my sources told me that you know Favre told those people at the company um, that that uh, it was this was company was called Prepicus. Um, it is their IP. They kind of went bankrupt and they, their IP was acquired by this Odyssey company, which I wrote about last week. Um, but it, this that 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 Favre told these uh, these executives at this at this um, at the startup that it, these were these were coming from a from a child welfare funding, healthcare healthcare as welfare funding. That child that meant that they they took that to mean that it, it came from you know, some, some child health account, like I guess kids get concussions. They, maybe that's how they talk themselves into it on the startup side, but even then, and that hasn't come out the, much yet about how much far, what, what far was, was, was telling others about the funding for that startup that you mentioned. Here it's, it's not just the poorest state in the country. It's also the blackest state in the country in terms of the percentage of residents of Mississippi who are black. So, you know, I, the United States being the United States, that's probably why a lot of people don't really care. But those TANF funds, only 1% of the people who applied for that money actually ended up getting money. And now yes. you see in the text messages that he's asking, I think it was Phil Bryant, the former governor, or somebody like, well, can't yeah, we have that was Phil Brent? Yeah. Can't we have prisoners make these lockers for the volleyball yeah. facility? And, 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 and using and asking for another $1.5 million for an indoor football facility. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 I reported on these text messages and I don't know how much it costs for an office sports to the, obtain them all, but it was uh, to, 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 um, you know, to lure, to lure in Deion Sanders quarterback prospect son who is now playing with him at Jackson State. And Jackson, with the water crisis, this is all coming. The, the prosecutor that's leading the charge locally is in the next county over in Hines County. So what we're talking about just basically the same part of, of the state that has had generational neglect and neglect towards the water system. And it's just, this is all, this is all so bad. It's all, and that's the thing. It's just like gross, 
doesn't even begin to encompass it. And, you know, if you listen to Anna, that money was basically just used as a slush fund for the influential people in Mississippi and the poor people were just forgotten. And, you know, $5 million for the volleyball stadium, would it have fixed the pipes in Jackson? No, but $5 million over 5,000 families could have made a massive difference for some of these people. You know, that the cost of living is not that high. And as we've seen through the pandemic, if you give families $300 a month, it makes a massive difference in what they're able to do in terms of working and childcare and just basic things like feeding their families and having lights on in the house. It's just, it's awful. And then as, you know, my, what my family looks like, and I just, it's, enraging it's just so enraging and that he and so far to this point he skated i want to uh stay with you shalice i just will note just so that people know ashton Pittman is from the um mississippi free press so i want to make sure that um he gets uh so a, a sort of a shout out and yes. some notice there because he's done really fine work in addition to in addition to anna wolf who I, i'm really happy to see has um has been doing so many interviews with national outlets. And I know probably for her, I mean, actually, I, we talked about this on the podcast. It's not the easiest thing to sort of put yourself out there because, you know, you don't really want to, quote unquote, uh, be coming off as sort of a, someone who's sort of going for publicity. But if she doesn't talk about it, then it's not getting national attention. So I'm glad she is. Shalise, one of the things that you um, have noted, and I think you noted in your piece, which I think is accurate, is... The story has been written about and the story is being talked about. It's not, there's not a sort of a cover up here of silence when it comes to Brett Favre. But the next step here, which I really appreciated you noted, are the companies that are involved with Favre. Both AJ and I contacted Sirius. Uh, (laughs) They got back to us. I mean, I should only speak for me. They they got back to me more than a week after Uh, I emailed multiple people. I mean, just radio silence. 12 days. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and again, I, Sirius has been a great company yes. when it comes to PR. They're responsive. Yes. They they get back to you. So I mean, like it was beyond obvious, like what was going on. And yeah, I mean, I, I want to be fair, but like, come on, guys. I mean, yeah. like it's Brett you're Favre. Seeing he hasn't that's played going in twelve on. years. I it just it, yeah. It's, I mean, it's like it's all me. it's all out there for you. It should not have been hard a little bit earlier to quote unquote put him on pause. AJ, of course, did his reporting um, when it came to, when it came to ESPN Milwaukee, who who had put Favre's uh, appearances on pause. So, Shalise, I'll get back to you. Um, and you wrote this, and you said, "Now it's time to wonder why companies that use him as a pitchman are sticking by him despite the headlines." Some some still are. Many have sort of quote unquote gone on pause. But I feel like it's not about it's not about the lack of coverage. It's now about who are the people who sort of continued to enable this guy, right? 20, 20 years later. No, I, I think it is. Um, Cause I, I, I had just been seeing that so much on Twitter and I understand like the people who would say, well, if, if a black quarterback had done this or even a retired black player had been at the center of this, the uproar and all those kinds of things and comparing how Colin Kaepernick was treated and Michael Vick. And, and I completely understand all of that, but we are at a point now where we have to move beyond that because this is getting attention. If you go on CNN, MSNBC, NBC News, if you go on all of their websites and just put Favre in the search window, you will find numerous, 
you know, and that's in addition to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Yahoo, obviously, I mean, we're not a small outlet. So people are covering this. So now it's a question of, you know, Copperfit, you can say, okay, Copperfit's an, an infomercial staple, and it is, and how many people really take them seriously, they doubled down. Yes. And gave a statement, I think, to AJ. Yeah. That yeah. He's, I was Brett like, Favre no, this was like, and, and I, I, I've done this before with PR people. I'm like, you sure you want to say this? Like, I'll take it and he's publish an it. honorable guy. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, all right, this is not going to. And I actually said, this probably won't be good for you. That's what I emailed back. And yeah, it, it was and that was the only one. And Copperfit has faced other boycotts. And there's a boycott maybe on this thing. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people I've from my comments, there is. But you can never tell if Twitter is real. But there, uh, I also never buy a, a copper fit product. I'm a personal trainer and that copper is not going to do anything for you. I can pretty much attest to that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that, it, so yeah, there, there, there was, there, the other boycott that copper fit has faced over the years is being associated with Fox News and especially Fox's primetime programming. Right. And, and that's like the, the funny thing is the other, not funny, I mean, one of the other companies that hasn't officially cut ties is an app for Catholics for praying and meditating. Yeah, I, I actually subscribe to that. And it's like, and I, I grew up Catholic. I, I can't say that I'm a practicing Catholic now, but um, I, I got married in the Catholic church. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, and it was like, they, and they have a deal with Notre Dame. And I, I, t- I, I, I went on Crunchbase. I got, I got everybody. I got the two top executive cells and emails and, and I've texted them, emailed them, tagged them. I don't like tagging companies. I, I don't want to become considered an activist journalist, but I was, and I was at a certain point, I'm tagging them. I had started tagging serious. I started tagging, uh, you know, when I was on hold for 45 minutes with uh, ESPN Milwaukee um, and I was, I, I started tagging and it's like, it's nothing. This company has is his, and I, I posted a couple of those because uh, since I did a one week, one or two week trial on that app, I posted some of the stuff that Favre's on there and he's still on there. And it's it's amazing to me that companies like that who are looking probably to go public or be acquired still associate themselves with someone like this. It's mm-hmm. and part of it, I think, is I think it's it's Farb's people, his people around him, and even his attorney, who I think is misguided and has is doing him a disservice. And I think he Farb should probably get a better lawyer. Um, is is uh, you know they 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 have a, apparently can talk these companies into a lot. I'll just leave it there. But the thing, you know, and I suppose a company can fall back on, and this is, if you do this, it kind of tells us even more about you. No, he has not been legally charged with anything yet. He has he's yes. not facing charges. And I guess you can fall back on that if you are. He is a defendant in the lawsuit, but yeah. In he, a lawsuit, yes. With, but with, I, with, with with many others. And there's, yeah, and I've, and uh, the, this is uh the legal experts I talk to expect him to be, you know, indicted. And there's a series of things he he could be looking at from possibly lying to the FBI, FBI agents who his lawyer was celebrating. They only asked him one question and left. They asked him if he'd been to a certain city in Mississippi. And he said, oh, when I was nine years old, I'm like, and then they walked away. I mean, any lawyer who's dealt with federal law enforcement knows they only ask questions that they know the answers to. So now he's looking at if he, if for some reason the city is involved in his involvement, uh, you know, and and he and he lied about it. that's one felony. You got wire fraud. You got these other charges that obviously the um, the former head of the welfare agency um, got charged with uh, late last week. It's the whole thing. It's it's really massive and sprawling. I also heard Anna on another 
uh, podcast she did recently and how many people are involved in all of this. But and and obviously Favre is a sexy name. And I think there's a wrestler. Is it Ted DiBiase? Yeah, Ted DiBiase and too? Junior. Junior, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ted DiBiase Junior, yeah. It's it, it just the whole thing. It's just terrible, you know, and, and we saw something similar to this with the PPP money. Right. And, you know, yeah. the Los Angeles Lakers and Tom Brady's fitness stretching, uh, you know, physical therapy company got PPP money and, and all those kinds of things. And those don't have to be paid back. And it's another reminder that there are different rules for different people in this country. And if you are if you have money, the rules don't apply to you. And if you are literally pinching pennies, well, just screw you, you know, the, the, I want to, um, I want to ask you, uh, this AJ and just to one more sort of point on the media and it, it, you know, things have sort of turned for Favre when inside the NFL has Anna Wolf on to talk about the Mississippi welfare story. And you might kind of laugh at that, but it's really not a laughing matter when the establishment NFL press, let's sort of call it that way. I'm not talking about independent people who covered the NFL, but inside the NFL is a show that essentially in many ways just promotes the NFL in the same way pregame shows do. So once you've gotten to that level, when they're bringing on the investigative reporter for, um, for Mississippi today, you know, things have changed. AJ, one of the things that, um, that I've written about many, many times, and I'm a realist here, uh, as well as a cynic, like, I I really wish that during game broadcasts, occasionally the broadcasters would have substantive conversations about things that really could be impactful on a broadcast, whether it's owners like Dan Snyder, uh, or the Haslam's, whether it's certain language used when it comes, yeah, when it comes to Deshaun Watson and not just sort of use these like generic stuff, but like talk about why Deshaun Watson was actually, uh, suspended and like, don't just use controversial, but say like, why is it controversial? But I'm also a realist here. Like the people who call the games, they're not investigative reporters. They ultimately, the networks are partners with the league and um, there are many people, millions of people, and I, I don't think they're, I think they're being honest here when they say, like, we believe this should not be, like, the game is the game, and we don't want to hear about this stuff during the game. We just want to watch the game, and, you know, we'll read front office sports or Yahoo Sports when it comes to this other stuff. Um, how do you feel, like, I, I, like, I wish that that would be different, and I wish that broadcasters, especially on games where you have the massive reach, would talk about these things, but I'm a realist. I just don't think it will ever happen. And the notion or idea that like um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman would spend five minutes on Brett Favre is just not reality. Like I wish it was, but it's not. So I'm not really asking you a question. I just sort of want to use it as a thought exercise for you and Shalise that we're never going to see this, correct? If we're being well, realistic, we had, these conversations just won't we happen. We kind of had it with Costas, but he, ever, ever since Costas left NBC Sports, yeah, there had, that was the last person who, who, who talked about this. And now they're skating around Deshaun. They're skating around all this stuff. Now, you know, this is part of the issue is, you know, I think this has it. There's three, I think, major factors why this hadn't been a story, even though it's been going on for two years, uh, over two years. Um, it's one, it's race. 
I think uh, this is it's you can see you can see race has have has something to do with it. Second of all, this is more complex than dogfighting with Mike Vick, and Mike Vick was a current player as well. And that goes into the last part of it. So Farber's been retired for twelve years. He's no longer in Wrangler commercials. He hasn't been in a while. He's not. He's not as um, you know, kind of in the front of people's focus. But he still has this image, this heroic image that is should have never gotten to this far. What he did to Jan Sturger and what he did to the massage therapist, how he's still a pitch man, especially for the Catholic app. Hey, uh, it's called, uh, like it's called, uh, it's hollow, H-A-L-L-O-W. Imagine that. I mean, I don't go, I don't report on issues of morality. That's not, unless it rises to a criminal level or a lawsuit, you know, which I've covered many of that, many of those things. But it's like, you know, this how far I've got here, you know, it should not be shocking to people. How do you see it, Shalise? Oh, I think AJ made a, a, a great point in the, you know, the, the long history with Brett Favre specific to broadcasting. I guess I've sort of given up. Um, I think we have to wonder on some level how much, some of these big money, big time broadcasters don't care or are team Favre or team, whatever the situation may be. I mean, uh, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody a few days ago and apparently the Thursday night game on Amazon last week, the sideline reporter mentions is talking about Deshaun Watson and said, oh, yeah, he can't use certain massage therapists and is talking, but never said never explains out. why. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Nor did, nor did Al Michaels, by the way. Yeah. Good right. Yeah. And if, if he was miss if he was missing 11 games because he tore his ACL in, in April during workouts at the facility, we would all be saying, oh, he tore his ACL. He's missing 11 games. They're expecting him to be back. X, Y, Z. He did what he did. And you cannot take that away. It is it is in the public record. He did this now and nobody's asking you to opine Al Michaels or whomever. You know, you don't have to say, well, you know, I've gotten my fair share of happy endings myself. No, you don't need to <laughs> opine, but you still have to. You're not doing your viewers a service, especially because if you're going through the trouble of getting Amazon Prime and finding it on Amazon prime. Cause I know the first night I've had prime in the first week, I had a hard time getting it to, to go. Um, but if you're going through all of that trouble, you're enough of an NFL fan that you understand why Jacoby Brissett's out there and not Deshaun Watson. So don't play people for idiots. Again, if you don't want to opine on it, if you don't want to be like me and really hammer, you know, Deshaun Watson and the Haslam's and, and his attorneys and the NFL for all of this, you don't have to. I understand that's where your bread is buttered. Your five generations down the line are set up for life because they've chosen you as one of the lucky white men that gets to talk about the NFL in these broadcast booths. But you're you're playing your viewers for idiots that you can't just say, here's why he's missing this time. And it should be the same thing with the other big scandals that come up. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I appreciate your eloquence here. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a realist. It's not going to happen, and I wish it would. I do think, though, that it is absolute fair criticism for that Amazon broadcast for if they're going to play it as a news story, like you said, Shalish, you have to then take the next step and explain, well, here is why right? he is suspended, and here are the women who have said X. Like, like I feel like if you're going to go down that 
you know, and why can he only use team massage therapists? Like if you're going to go down that road, I do feel like you owe the viewers a little bit more. But again, having talked to so many of these executives and obviously broadcasters, they will continue to argue. And I think they do have millions of people who will back them on this as fans that this is not the place for it. But this becomes a law. Is that the right? But is that the right thing to do? I, 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 I would say without sort of being a wise ass that they are not in the business of doing the right thing. They are in the business of making money and keeping you as a viewer watching this entertainment product. Like, like, yeah, but there's uh, but there's like eight or nine, maybe like nine years left in the TV deal. You can piss them off now. And by the time the end of the TV deal, <laughs> it's well, fine. I, I would I mean, again, not to be a cynic, AJ, but like, when you have pissed them off as ESPN has, then you get a schedule of commanders versus bears every week. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so there are ramifications. Like, obviously I am in alignment with you two. I'm just, I'm not even trying to take the opposite side. I'm just sort of, you know, sort of at least giving listeners like the realism of this. Okay. I want to, um, I want to move on from, from Brett Favre and that this will be a subject that I will say one last thing actually before we do move on AJ you've done a lot of uh, excellent reporting on this are you you are assigned to this story is that fair to say in addition to the other stuff that you do or no it was kind of uh, our our CFO was like hey um you can go check this stuff out. I was like, I was like, I, I, I had done like a rewrite or something at some point, but, uh, but, um, you know, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll dig around. And, you know, I did know somebody who I, who I mentioned before who was attached to that, 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 uh, pharma startup. So I was starting to call and they, and it was within a couple of days, I had some good sources. And then I, you know, I got, it was like, Hey, there's, 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 there's something coming. It was, a, uh, it was middle or it was middle late last week. There's something coming. And I'm like, I was, I was like, all right, I know what's going to happen. I knew, I figured, I kind of figured that this, that this former head of the, of the welfare agency was, was going to be, uh, um, kind of going to be brought up on charges or his plea deal would be announced and he, he'd be the, um, uh, the indictment would be unsealed. I was writing ahead for the next day. Then I went, I went on and checked the court docket. Um, and I'm like, Oh man, it's now. So my tweet at like one in the morning, everybody picked up on, it got almost 6 million impressions. And wow. it was just something, it was just something that, you know, just kind of fell. It was just, I did, I was right. I was working on ahead of on it. Cause I knew it was kind of coming down the pike, but I, but you know, then I went on the state, the, you know, I had, I, I had registered with the state docket the earlier in the week and I already had my federal docket, uh, I know Pacer very well. Um, and so does my company since the, a lot of fees. Um, hmm. So there, so I, so between those two, I was able to craft a story. I was up to four in the morning. My editor got up, posted it. And that, it, that, that was the first major story. Then on Saturday, uh, ESPN beat me by a little bit, but I got the uh, text messages um, and uh, was writing the, that story up on the way to the Elton John concert. So. All right. Well, hopefully the Elton John concert was good at least. Um, it was. All right. Shalisa, I want to go to you. Um, let's talk about Kim Mulkey's non-comment on Brittany Griner. The criticism there is absolutely warranted. I mean, at a base level, Brittany Griner helped make Kim Mulkey rich. And yeah. like, just yes. at a base level, you should, to me, like, just acknowledge that even if you have a... Um, even if you have an acrimonious relationship with her, which I believe that is the case between the two, I think to me you just do the pro forma pro forma comment. She didn't get that. Let me just give one piece of context, Shalise, and then I'll I'll let you go. M. A. Volpel, who has covered obviously women's college basketball and the WNBA for a long time, um, 
from M.A. Vopel's account, this likely won't change opinions, but Kim Mulkey consistently has abstained from talking publicly on the Brittany Griner situation. Mulkey said on a Tiger Rag podcast in June, while I keep up with it as far as what's in the national media, I don't make public comments about it. I think it's a personal issue. You just want everybody to come home safely, and I pray for Brittany. I want her home safely. I think there's lots of people speaking out on her behalf. Those of us who don't necessarily speak publicly about it certainly are praying for her. So Shalise, like, had she said something like that? There's no story here. But she opted with, like, defiance to sort of publicly state on this one that um, she's not saying anything. Man, like, she could get away with it because LSU, she's sort of royalty at LSU at this point. But I don't know how you can be a human being and watch that and not sort of be left with a really bad taste in your mouth. No, see, I I had no idea what you just read off about what she had said previously that M.A. Vopel publicized, I saw that I saw the quote and was like, okay. And then I saw the video and it was so much worse. The flippant sort of, like you said, defiant way that she was like, and you won't meaning you won't hear me comment on it. And that happened on Monday. My husband was home because he works at a school and there was no school because of Rosh Hashanah. And I went outside and I was like, can you believe it? And he was like, it's her right not to say anything. And I was like, yeah, but, and he's, you know, he, my husband is my best editor in a lot of ways because I want to fly off the handle at everything. And he brings me down to earth when it's warranted. <laughs> and good, um, good marriage. <laughs> it, it's very good. Um, for me, it's just the humanity. And as I tweeted, it's like she couldn't even grit her teeth and be like, oh, I hope she gets home soon. And just the the optics of it, especially because and maybe she doesn't care, but just the optics of if I'm now Tara Vanderveer or I'm, you know, some of these other opposing coaches, I'm pulling that video out and being like, huh. You're a young black queer woman. This is what she thinks of. You know what I mean? Like, I I just think it's, would you want to play for parents as a mother? If my kids were really good basketball players, I would never, I mean, before this, I would not have let them go play for Kim Mulkey, but it just sort of hammers home the idea that I'm not sending you there um, to play for somebody who, as you said, Brittany Griner gave blood, sweat and tears for free for Baylor, and in part because of Brittany Griner's work and effort, Kim Mulkey now is one of the two or three highest paid college coaches in the women's game. Correct. And you can't even fix your lips to be like, yeah, it's a terrible situation. I hope she comes home soon. Nobody's asking you to talk about the politics. Nobody's asking you to, you know, wade into geopolitical waters. Correct. You know, you could still say it's terrible. I hope she comes home soon. And like you said, none of us blink an eyelash and we move on. So here's AJ again. Like, I, I am with Shalise in that Kim Mulkey has every right to say something or not say something. I, I'm not making the argument on that. I guess what I'm surprised at, but maybe I shouldn't be surprised. And I've covered Mulkey for many, many years when I was at Sports Illustrated. I, I actually always enjoyed our conversations. Um, I, I, she's intense, but she loves basketball. Yeah, I mean, there are things I don't necessarily agree with her personally on stuff. But, like, I, I, I as a basketball coach, I, I, I give her her propers the one thing here that just like i don't know if it's a question of tone deafness or something else but like no matter how you feel about griner and if you have issues with griner um personally it let's let's even say if you have issues with her sexuality etc like at a base level this is an american who's being held hostage in a foreign country 
Like, I just don't get how on earth you don't just sort of just acknowledge that as an American, like first and foremost to say, like, we absolutely want her to come home. And so that, you know, that was my surprise. And again, it is very stupid in many ways to parse like a three word answer from somebody. But I don't know. Like, have we just like gotten so far afield where you can't even like publicly state like you want an American hostage to come home? No, I think that was, I mean, look at, look at like Reiner and the other players in the WNBA. They were, had, they were, they've been talking about equality well before, uh, you know, Floyd and everything else. I mean, they, they, of all the pro athletes, the, the, the WNBA players have, you know, pushed the issue of diversity and inclusion more than anybody. And, and uh, before, before a lot of leagues, you know, there it's, that's why this business doesn't make any sense. It's not, you know, if, if you're, if, if you're, a, if you're a prospect and your end result is, you know, hopefully with the new TV deal, the WNBA, base, the, the WNBA will get after 2025, there's going to be some real money. You don't have to go overseas like Reiner had to. Um, and I just, it just, if you want, why would you go to a coach who just is so flippant and just, just, just blows it off? It's just not saying, saying just the minimum is like, I hope she comes home quickly. Just like that. Something like that. That's all Shouldn't you need. Shouldn't be controversial. It's unless, nothing. There's nothing. The world it's not gone you know, better than I, you know, and it just, that's what I, it just, it was, I, I was enraged. I'm like, uh, man, especially with the, with the coaches. And it's like, you know, Tara, as he mentioned was, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a pretty diverse, you know, you know, when it comes to sexual uh, or, uh, you know, sexual um, or, or orientation is pretty, you know, it's not, it's not a taboo subject anymore. And it's just not, you know, there's going to be other coaches who are going to be recruiting against us. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, especially in that sport. I mean, like, it's just, it's, this, this is not, I, again, I, I, uh, you know, sometimes you sort of just get surprised and I get that Moki's obstinate and, and, I, and, you know, she has a very much an attitude. No one's going to sort of tell me what to do, but like just at a base level, like I, I don't get it. And again, I think Shalise at the same point that I thought, like at the end of the day, as great a coach as Kim Mulkey has been, you cannot, th- there is no argument to be made that Brittany Griner has not made her wealthy beyond her dreams. Cause that is what a title gets you. And Griner was part, Griner, Odyssey, Sims, et cetera, part of one of the great college basketball teams of the last 20 years. Griner revolutionized the game in college, got so much attention for that program because, again, there had been never a player like her before. So, I don't know. To me, all that should be worth a sentence, but perhaps I'm, you know, I'm quaint here. All right. Two more things I want to get to before we get out of here. Shalice, you're in the Massachusetts, the greater Massachusetts area. I just invented that as a term. I don't even think that exists. Um, how do you uh, view um, the media coverage so far of uh, Ime Udoka's suspension? You know, it's been, when it first happened, I was on the fence about, you know, Woj just short, sort of throwing it out there like, oh, he's going to be suspended. And then Shams came in behind and was like consensual relationship and everyone mm. sort of glommed on to that. And then you hear a year. I think the Celtics did not do themselves any favors um, by once, once Woj reported it, even if it meant a midnight press release, they should have right behind him been yes. like, yes, we are suspending him for a year. It is for a violation of multiple team policies. We will have a media conference at 10 a.m. tomorrow at the Auerbach Center. And then we get some of it. The other thing that they did wrong is listening to my friend Gary Washburn, who's the stellar um, NBA slash Celtics reporter for the Boston Globe. They apparently haven't even told the players all the details of what this is. 
So yeah, that's if, amazing to me. Right. If we're, we want to, you know, some of us who are cynical or be like, oh, the players are just covering for their boy. Ime. No, they don't really understand the full extent of what was happening. You know, I think it's, it's become a mess. It was terrible as a woman in sports. Uh, you know, the, the, I've told the story uh, many, many times, but when I was 19 years old and the very first time I was sent out to write a, a story, I went to Brown University to talk to the athletic director and he, you know, very curtly answered my questions and then said, well, why aren't you covering women's sports? Why are you writing about football? So these are the things that we deal with, you know, just going to work every day, as we've seen with the, the Dallas Mavericks a few years ago with the Washington football team ongoing situation, um, Robert Sarver most recently, just being a woman working for a professional sports team is fraught with enough landmines. And then to have Shams and Woj just throw this stuff out there. And then you have people on social media going on Celtics.com and be like, well, here's a woman who works for the team. And here's a woman who works for the team. Ugh. It was horrible, you know, yeah, and awful. the Celtics did do a, a good job of trying to tamp that down, but they just sort of once it, once the reporting started, I think they should have just been like, yes, this is what's happening. We will have a press conference at 10 a.m. and to try to shed as much light on this as we can. And the biggest question I still have in all, I just, the whole thing is weird. It sounds like it's really, really sorted. People I know who cover the NBA who are, you know, giving me what little details they've uh, compiled. Like there's, Ime is not a great guy. Um, and in a lot of ways, I, I almost applaud the Celtics because it sounds like for once a men's professional sports league did the right thing from the outset instead of changing course once they saw the reaction from the public. Uh, 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 AJ, I want to um, – so here's the thing, and, and we're all – when I say we, like the, the larger sports media ecosystem is, is absolutely guilty of this. When you have a story – where like there's so few details and you're in a universe where like so much of uh this ecosystem like um opinion and takes are monetized like you inevitably have like a takes culture where people are speculating on stuff with literally like scant details the only yeah. details they had are what the two biggest insiders in the sport have sent out and so you know probably the smartest take here of all is to say like I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on in the Celtics organization. I have never reported on the Celtics organization. I have no sourcing in there. So I, I would say this for this podcast. I have no idea what's going on in the Celtics organizations, nor would I take a, a guess at it. But like this is one of these stories, AJ, that this is like what strikes me is that there's such incentive, obviously, to have opinion. The wealthiest people in our profession, generally speaking, are opinionists. And this is one of those stories where – like you have an opinion, but your opinion is based on the scantest of things unless you are holding out on what you know because you cover the league. And it creates such a, I don't know, just you're seeing a lot of shit out there because like there, there's no good place where you can opine from because there's just not a lot of reporting done. Yeah, and look what the, one of the talking heads in Stephen A. did to Malika Anders. I mean, while she was talking about this, trying to give her perspective, shutting her down as he did. Um, and this is, a, yeah, that, this is the problem because we all know, uh, Shalice knows this, the first thing you report sticks within people's minds. And so even when, when, uh, when the first report from Lodge happened, um, it, it was, uh, you know, we was like, it was, it was like, what, it was literally everybody to speculate. 
And then Shams came in. And this is not a story that should be reported out over Twitter when the, all the details aren't known. This wouldn't have happened 20 years ago without Twitter. You know, 20 years ago, we would have editors asking who the sources are. Hey, why don't you wait until we get more? We don't know what's going on yet. You know, we're, 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 we're way past that at this point. And, uh, and so even the local reporters were at a loss, I'm sure, because these two, you know, break stories that the locals, the reporters don't often get. Um, and, uh, and um, it, it could speculate, we could talk about where they're getting it, but it's, uh, but that, so this is hard. I mean, this is, you know, writing about, you know, saying it was consensual and coming out that it may not be. I mean, this is like, it's, this is this was all handled, you know. This is just just modern journalism, and um, and it's kind of and it's, we saw all of its flaws in this one. Yeah, I will say this. Um, I want to give credit to like at least one what I've read the the Boston Globe, the Athletic, and a couple other places where they've really like a, approached this thoughtfully in that they're not they have not speculated on what happened like within the human resources element of this, but have sort of kept it to. Here's the player's reaction, like Shalise yeah. said. Here's the players didn't know, and here's how it could impact the Celtics organizationally. Like that, to me, is like at least at this point the way to sort of write this. Or if you actually know, like how the Celtics like went about the investigation, if you actually know that. I'm not sure how many people sort of know that. So, oh uh, yeah. So it just like you know, I just think they're just there. There, there needs to be more, more of a you know, more. You know, just more thought going into it, you know, because especially when you have their millions of followers, you know, people are going to take and run with it. And we've all had even well-reported stories, people taking and run with the information that they pick and choose out of it. And it's and basically blowing something totally out of context. There was also uh, another asp- another layer to this that I think made it blow up even more than it would have because of Nia Long, you know, that we know that the, they're has been or is, or I'm not 100% sure what their actual official status is, but the relationship between Ime and Nia Long, she's beloved, especially among Black yeah, people. Very famous. Yeah, she's, right. I mean, she's still gorgeous, which, you know, obviously she is um, a human being beyond just being a beautiful woman, but she's been in some of the most beloved movies, especially for Black people of the last 20 to 25 years, you know, so... I think that also added to the sort of titillating, even more yes. gossip. Well, this is why TMZ. This is why TMZ is one one of the leading figures in breaking stuff, right? right? Right, and that's why it's all it's all so messy. And I know that for better or worse, part of the NBA's brand is being messy. Um, <laughs> but. It's it's really. I, I wish that was the NHL's brand. I swear. I, I mean, more more people would watch NHL if they were a little more messy. Yeah, it might. Well, their messiness is not the type of messiness you want to embrace. Um, <laughs> no, no. The, with the hockey culture we've seen up there in Canada, right? <laughs> and the other here thing, in the United States, the the one thing that we should mention is that Ime and Nia have an eleven year old son, and so yeah, you know, if he has a cell phone and he has social media. He's seeing some of this. It's gonna say it sucks. Yeah, oh, it really, gross. it yeah. really, 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 really sucks. Um, the whole thing is really, I'm sure we'll get bits and pieces. Like I said, talking to friends of mine who are pretty plugged into the NBA, it sounds like there's some really grimy stuff that Ime did. Um, and he basically forced the Celtics hand because it, it, if it was a hundred percent consensual, 
between two adults, like you can, you can say without hesitation that it was completely consensual, regardless of the marital status or relationship status of, of Ime and the other person involved. If it was consensual to me, you just say, Hey, look, we told you you're not supposed to do this four week suspension. That's that. But a one year suspension and a huge fine, I believe, and it's now kind of come out in dribs and drabs. It's far, far, far more than just a consensual relationship. And uh, yeah, yeah, the last one, just all, and I'm going to stick with you, Shalise, the, uh, your colleague at the Yahoo Sports, Ben Rohrbach, mm-hmm. he actually wrote a good piece on just how miserable media day was, given Robert Sarver, given Ime Udoka, uh, given um, just sort of, there were so many things around the league that were just like uh, uh, kind of on, uh, you know, uh, the Charlotte Hornets situation, just like kind of negative and miserable. And it was not a media day where people sort of are... Uh, like celebrating what might happen with the team. I will say, ironically enough, where I live in Toronto, it's all peaches <laughs> and sunshine. Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet's in great shape, so everybody's happy here. All right, lastly, um, uh, I want to uh, start with you, Shalise, and then we'll finish up with you, AJ. So there is a writer for the Rose Garden Report, Sean Hyken. I want to give him credit for this who tweeted out, and obviously it's in relation to the story we just talked about, sports reporters, media personalities who have an agent should be required to disclose it when they're reporting on a player or coach rep by the same agency as them. And I thought that was a pretty interesting um, thing to tweet out. You know, a little higher end here on Twitter than the usual nonsense that we get. And... You know, the reality, Shalise, is that if, uh, by the way, I should just, for full transparency, I don't have an agent. I've never had an agent. Obviously, given what I have written over the last 15 years, I know a ton of agents, television agents in the business, including those who represent the Adrian Wojnarowski's and Adam Schefter's, et cetera. But it, 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 Sean Hyken does bring up a really interesting question, as if this should be disclosed. I will say if everybody did disclose it, like everybody like you would be stunned as a sports fan just how much of all this intersection exists and how many people are rep by CAA in the media world who and then CAA obviously has a sports arm a sports arm in either basketball or football that rep them I don't think it's always a quid pro quo but it it it, it does get to be a very um how do I sort of how do I phrase incestuous so yeah, it's a little incestuous underbelly. It's a good word, AJ, uh, here in, in that everybody, you know, would be at the same like holiday party. I'm saying that metaphorically. So, Shalice, what you what did you think about that? Because all of us have been in the business. We all know people who have agents. There are certainly some print reporters or digital reporters who have agents. Everybody in tel- sports television just generally, for the most part, has an agent with the rare exceptions of, uh, you know, John Bruchagrass or, uh, or some others who have negotiated their deals on their own or use lawyers. But, uh, but it was an interesting one that he posited because you know what? Woj is a CAA guy and there are a ton of CAA NBAers and Adam Schefter is a CAA guy and there are a ton of NFL CAAers. How do you see this? I think, I, I think the tweet was hundred percent correct. I retweeted it. Um, because I, I think it's right. You know, in the, because look at when, if the Washington post has a story that, mentions Amazon, they put a parenthetical that says the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos, who also owns Amazon. You know, you worked at right. Sports Illustrated for years when it was uh, like part of the Time Warner family, then you guys would make that same similar parenthetical. People Correct. have to know 
And I, I have come to absolutely loathe this insider culture, for lack of a better word. I, it's not journalism. It's stenography. What they're doing is stenography. Yeah. Tra- it's, tra- it's, it's transactional something, right? There's, right? There, it's not journalism, you know? And so if, if the most prominent person, like I'm thinking of Stephen A. Smith, that on Friday after the Celtics had their press conference, he's still on TV screaming about if Ime was a white man, none of this would be happening. Unless you can tell us with 100% certainty, and I don't know this, maybe you do, Richard, if Stephen A and E may have the same agent and the agent is, is telling Stephen A, no, no, it's consensual, you can't go there. You cannot defend somebody. And obviously, if anybody reads me, I defend Black people and protect Black people as much as I possibly can, because if I don't do it, certainly very few other people are going to. But if E may is doing dirty, Ime is doing dirty. It doesn't matter if, yes, it, you can have affairs within the office. This went beyond that. I do not think in this current climate, and again, my pessimistic heart and being around professional sports leagues for as long as I have, this man just took them to a surprise Eastern Conference championship. Do you really think that if he was just having a consensual relationship around the office with you know, Donna in accounting that they would suspend him for a year? No. They wouldn't. He had he uh, very speculation. I will put that out there. But from everything we have seen and everything we know, they forced his hand. He did. He did so much that they had to do this. But I do think that these insiders should have to put out there. Hey, athlete A or coach A or GM A in this story is part of CAA. And so am I, because you're basically in a way, the way I see it is you're sort of paying your agency for information. Yeah, I, I, AJ, I don't know if you know this, but I, this man, I could have it handed to me if I'm wrong here. I believe Stephen A. Smith is a WME guy, and he does have some connection with Endeavor and Mark Shapiro, who may have negotiated something. I, I actually know a ton of these. Uh, Stephen A. is just... Uh, it's just I haven't really dealt a lot with Stephen A. contractual stuff, and uh, without giving away sourcing, my best source on Stephen A. contractual stuff has never been one of his agents. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so I don't believe he and Udoka share the same agency in this case. But your point, Shalise, is absolutely dead on because, like, yeah, like as a viewer, I I think I'd want to know if. Uh, broadcast analyst X, right, or 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 opinionist X is totally preaching for a coach or a player, and they're all being rep by the the same place. So AJ, I'll leave you with the final word, but um, I agree. You know, I think Sean Hyken had a had an excellent tweet out there. Do I expect this to happen? No, not in a million years, unless ESPN, the worldwide leader here, decides to sort of change their. Um, disclosure policy. I, I don't think Fox and sports will ever do this or NBC. I feel like ESPN would be the only one who would even have a shot of it just given their own journalistic bona fides. But uh, but I don't know. I thought this was interesting, AJ. Do you, I will ask you, AJ. Do you have a agent or are you uh, or just AJ Perez? No, represent I don't know. I have no agent here. Uh, okay. But yeah, there, I think this is great. I mean, there, as a startup, you know, I've been here two and a half years. We have investors and we have, uh, you know, there are stories that SBJA had that or, was, or, or that we got at the same time. And, you know, with uh, that deals with one of our 
Yeah, with one of the companies, it hasn't happened. To, only happened a couple times, but we're actually less likely to do a story that meant that where our investors are uh, have can are investing on a sports related company. We're actually less likely to do it um, than 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 we would just because of that conflict. And we, you, you know, there's I'm a personal trainer. I do. I don't. I've never, you know, during the I when I when I when I've taken breaks in journalism and gone back to training, and I've gotten I I I there was a company who did kind of endorse, give me some free stuff, and I would. You know, I would still mention that that another company is now now bankrupt. So obviously, I'm not the best endorser. So you know, but even that, <laughs> you know, even when I get a new pair of shoes, I I and no no one's even asking me. No one even cares. But I always say I did not get these free. I mean, I don't get I don't take gifts. I you know disclose that. I think it's important. And you know, I think editors' notes. You know, when when we did do those stories, there's always an editor's note. Yeah, like we yeah, this so and so invested in this company and is also an, an FOS investor. That we haven't had to do that because we don't trend to those and especially in my role, I don't really have to worry about that. You know, I'm going after this mostly going after the the Farbs and the Snyders and such, where there's really no there's there's not gonna be a conflict. Uh, I can guarantee that because a part part of doing my job is in it as an investigative enterprise slash enterprise reporter is to not have these conflicts. That mm-hmm. means I've I've dis- I've disclosed the time I got I I was when I was 18 years old and got in a fight during hockey and I was arrested. I I will you know there's nothing you know that's why you know you have to have yeah by the, the charges were dropped because it was hockey the prosecutors so and that is and I've been totally clean since. But there's but you have to disclose those things. I mean that's um and that's that's part of our jobs and you, you cannot have any doubt about our credibility at all. And I think uh, and I think uh, uh, Shalise said, uh, you, Richard, I <laughs> make some great, uh, points on that. Yeah. So the last thing on this just would be if you're, if the, for the listeners who are curious, um, one agents, broadcast agents all the time, contact reporters and they leak a lot. I'm just going to be blunt. Uh, anybody who's covering the space, you know, John O'Rans, Andrew Marshans, Mike McCarthy's, et cetera. There, there's a lot of transactional sourcing, that come from agents. They certainly come from executives, uh, particularly competing executives of companies too. But you know, agents are in the business, obviously, of wanting to get their clients' new job out there because it, generally speaking, makes the agents look good. What we're seeing, one thing that's really, really changed, particularly with Woj and Shams, right? We're now starting to see the agents who negotiate these deals in the tweets. We used to not see that. Two, Liz Mullen of Sports Business Journal uh, does a great job covering agents and covering the people who represent sports media talent. So she um, really would be on top and she would absolutely know who um, who's repping everybody. Agents often represent multiple sports TV people. So one of the other interesting wrinkles here is you may have, you may have the same two people going for the same job being repped by the same agent. So it could get, um, it could get really, Really, really messy, but um, I, you know, I may go back to this with you guys. I may have you on again, and you know, maybe you know, we'll do the same panel like five months from now and sort of see how we feel about this. But um, it would, at least publicly, it would change the game if if the public every time a story comes out, if the reporters who have who share an agency with their subject had to disclose it. Do you know what I'm saying? It like. In many ways, the full disclosure would be great. In other ways, it would absolutely make many people in the public think there's a conspiracy on all this when there might not be a conspiracy at all. You know yes. what I mean, Shalise? Like, like sometimes you just get the information because you got the information and you weren't sourced by anybody at your agency. But I do think a lot of people in the general public will, would be like, oh, this guy works for uh, UTA. 
you know, uh, the coach of this team is UTA. That, of course, this is why he or she got this. Right. It's, you know, I don't know that it's, there is so much information that goes around, um, you know, all these transactions and stuff like that. But if you're defending somebody and talking about it's a consensual relationship, well, consensual to whom? You know, if, Right. On this story, I didn't mean to right. but like on this story, that conflict could be really right. important given what we're talking and about. And that's here. where, the, and we don't see them anymore, um, but an ombudsman, which you just don't really see them in media outlets anymore, <laughs> but an yeah, ombudsman yeah. would be really critical in a situation like this, that you run it past the ombudsman and they say, yes, this is a situation where you need to disclose. Now, if, you know, if it's Schefter or Shams or somebody who's saying, oh, Team A is signing player B. Okay, fine. You don't necessarily need to. But in a situation where you're terming this relationship as consensual or, you know, the Schefter thing a few months ago where, and I guess he did eventually say that he's getting this directly from the agent, um, the running back from Minnesota, Dalvin Cook, you know, that whole thing, you, you need to, the public should know, you know, this, it goes back to, you know what we were talking about before and will these broadcasts actually be honest about what's going on with teams and and executives and stuff like that people aren't stupid and part of the reason that we are in the position we're in as a country right now is because people are treated as though they're stupid and they're not asked to think critically you can tell people that deshaun watson was accused credibly accused by 24 women of sexual misconduct they'll be okay process the information and move on. Believe it. Don't believe it. Think it's a conspiracy that a whole bunch of strangers got together to accuse this one guy of all the guys in the NFL. Fine. But do the information. And if we don't, if we stop giving people facts and information, they're going to stop looking for facts and information and they're just going to take what's given to them. And that's when we get into a whole situation, you know, (laughs) kind of like what we're in now. And this brings us all down. I mean, uh, this this whole, you know, what people question other reporters and the heirs and, you know, going back to Jason Blair and even USA Today, before I got there, a foreign correspondent made up a lot of stuff. In 2006, when I got there, I couldn't even use anonymous source. I couldn't even, even it was like two sources, two great sources I've that are vetted. I still couldn't run those. So now when I write a story like I did Monday on Tua's concussion and questioning, like maybe we should just kind of hold on and make sh- wait till the NFLPA and NFL, the joint investigation, what and Tua is still cleared to play, at least as far as uh, he's not in the concussion protocol for the next game. But it's like people question me like, oh, you got this from the NFL. I'm like, no, nah, I didn't. No one from the NFL is calling me AJ Perez saying, yeah, uh, I was like, yeah, two is fine. Yeah, like you should do some, like, you should do some PR for us. It doesn't happen, but the fact that others may be getting the information from, you know, agents and other stuff that you know that we don't know they're sourcing, you know, that it does blow back. There, there, there is blowback for the rest of us in the uh, sports journalism world. Yeah, no, that's fair. Oh, Shalice, you and your quaint ideas about ombudsman <laughs> and journalism. Come on now. You know, it's funny. I've I've taught I've taught for a few years at Emerson College here in Boston. And um, you know, it, this is no 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 shade on Syracuse, which is where I got my degree from, but teaching journalism to young journalists, I feel like has made me a better journalist and really gotten me back yeah, to the nuts sure. and bolts of this is what we are supposed to be doing. You know, we're supposed to Keep be your enthusiasm yeah, up too, it, right? It, it, it's great well, to be around for the young most people. part, half yeah. the time I want to tell them don't do it, but it's <laughs> it's hard. It really is. It's very hard. You know, it's part of the reason among many that I, I you know, I said I hate that this insider um, culture is, you know, these kids, we 
sit there and tell them, you know, if you want to get into journalism, don't expect to get rich. And between Woj and Schefter, they make, what, $15 million a year to just regurgitate text messages and not giving people context very like. Oh, and 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 when they're required (laughs) to like Schefter's got into trouble. And we saw that with doing with the with the death death of uh, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, look what he did there. Look, I mean, it's right. It's just it's like there's like the lack of them not. I, and they're and they're both were you know I'm gonna say we're great journalists I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not saying they aren't now but in their roles now they're 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 not they don't have to do what we have to do for our stories right right yeah I mean they they're they're you know to uh, both have done really fine journalism in the past what their roles are now are sort of very different than what they uh, traditionally do and again all the criticism that's all the criticism that you guys have mentioned is absolutely warranted um yahoo sports nfl writer shalice manzi young follow her work on that site follow her on twitter she's um she's always providing at least to me just something interesting makes me think and a unique voice in the space aj perez is a front office sports senior reporter and again, AJ, his beat is like his beat seems to be the globe because like one day he might be covering X and then the next day he's covering Y. But again, um, one of the people at that publication that uh, um, has really made uh, uh, front office sports just a place where a lot of people now go to to check out content every day. Uh, I'll definitely have you guys back. Shalice and AJ, thank you so much for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks, Richard. Thanks. All right. Back in the studio, my thanks to uh, Shalice. And AJ for their time and insights. I thought it was a pretty good spirited conversation. Good back and forth between those two. I'm not sure they have ever met in person. So they had pretty good chemistry actually for two people who had uh, who had never met before. If you like these kind of conversations, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. Uh, that's how this podcast continues. You leave a five-star review and a nice note in your uh, Twitter handle. I'm happy to mention it on, uh, on air. And uh, we'll read... Uh, those comments uh for sure yeah if you if you're gonna rip me uh unlikely for me to uh to, to read that to be honest uh but again i, I pre the the reviews for this podcast have been really really good over the years and uh, i don't take that for granted i really appreciate it thank you previous podcast before this one earlier this week we had uh, ashley adamson of the pac-12 network and lisa mccaffrey who uh is um uh not only an accomplished stanford athlete herself but the mother of four adult sons who have uh, prominence in football, most notably Christian McCaffrey, who plays uh, for the Panthers. They have a new podcast on uh, the most notable moms on the planet. They interview mothers uh, about their journey and about their children. And uh, early guests have been Ryan Leaf's mom and, and Jake Plummer's mom. So check that out. Andrew Marinus, the author of Inaugural Ballers, true story of the uh, 1976 U.S. women's basketball team. That was a very important team with uh, Pat Summit, Ann Myers, Nancy Lieberman, etc. Uh, prior to that, I mentioned Anna Wolf was a guest on this podcast, investigative reporter from Mississippi Today, uh, talking about that scandal and Brett Favre's involvement there. Um, Thursday Night Football on Prime Video, executive producer Fred Gadelli and Pierre Musa on Amazon's production when it comes to their game coverage. Uh, sports broadcaster turned agent Alex Flanagan. I think you'll enjoy that conversation. And Jenny Brentis and Lindsey Jones of the New York Times and The Ringer, respectively, on covering the NFL, and particularly covering uh, the tough stories in the NFL. For that, Fox Sports NFL producer Richie Zions and Fox Sports NFL director Rich Russo. They are the producer and director of the Greg Olson, Kevin Burkhart team. And uh, they uh, took listeners inside on how they do their jobs and what it's like to be a producer and director of a top NFL 
So again, there should be some things in the uh, archives that you'll enjoy. Most of the stuff, generally speaking, stays evergreen outside of obviously the media conversations that are usually based off what is going on at the time. Want to thank Patrick Antonetti, of course. Want to thank everybody at Kane's 13, and thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.